You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. It's Tuesday, so it's time for It's My Money with Brenthurst Wealth. And this week I'm speaking to Desmond Bienecker from Brenthurst Wealth in four ways in Johannesburg. Now, the last time we spoke was April. I looked it up, Desmond, and we were talking about bonds. And you said in your introduction, not many people know too much about bonds. You didn't phrase it as clumsily as that, but you know what I'm getting at. And I think if there's one thing that people know less about than they do about bonds, it's trusts. And that's what we're talking about today. Why did you bring it up specifically today? Well, Lindsay, there's a lot of confusion. You know, we often have uh, clients asking us, uh, they're about to make an investment, which is the ideal investment vehicle to use? Is it owned through a company? Uh, is it owned through a trust? Or is it owned personally? And uh, yeah, we do navigate uh, clients through making that decision. You say including a trust in an overall financial plan has for decades been a popular choice for investors. But over time, the legislation relating to and tax benefits offered by trusts have changed. And you go on from there and you say the assets no longer. This is the first point you want to make. And the headline is the assets no longer belong to the founder, donor and control must be relinquished. You'll have to explain that to me, please. Yeah, so the first factor to remember when one establishes a trust, Lindsay, is that we know uh, a trust is effectively a legal relationship between the founder of the trust who places the assets in the trust for the benefit of a third party called the beneficiary. Um, trusts uh, um, are, of course, governed by the Trust Property Control Act. And, uh, and what we need to understand is a trust is not a legal person, but sometimes regarded as having a separate legal entity uh, or being a a, a separate legal entity, for example, for tax purposes in terms of the the Income Tax Act. So the trust assets are placed under the control of a third party who is known as a trustee. And uh, trusts are effectively instruments to transfer assets on through multiple generations for the benefit of uh, the trust beneficiaries. Uh, the, the assets are therefore mostly meant to be long-term in nature, and f- uh, of course we're looking at a at a long-term investment horizon. And once the, these assets have been transferred to a trust, they no longer belong to the founder or the donor. The assets now belong to the trustees of the trust in their capacities as trustees and not to be managed for the benefit uh, of the trust beneficiaries. The original founder uh, uh, no longer has any discretion discretionary decision-making authority uh, over the over the assets and uh, uh, you know one good example in case laws for example the case of your don versus your don where uh, if if this is not the case the trust may be regarded as a front or a sham and the protection and planning opportunities offered by trust uh, ownership is often lost so um, in in this case your don versus your Jordan, it was ruled that the trust was the founder's alter ego, so that the founder mm. treated the trust assets as his own and determined that the separation of ownership and control from enjoyment is fundamental uh, in the creation uh, of a trust. And then, of course, uh, the trustees need to be independent. Um, one of the most important examples in case law is the case of Landbank versus Parker, where the Court of, of Appeals ruled that the master of Supreme Court should ensure that where trustees of trusts 
uh, and all the beneficiaries are related to each other, and the independent trustee must be appointed. Uh, the purpose of the trust being, as mentioned, the separation of enjoyment uh, uh, and the control of the assets. Independent trustee, now presumably then outside of the circle of acquaintances, outside of a family, outside of, for example, the person who'd set up the trust was working for a law firm, it couldn't be a colleague, that, that sort of thing. So it has to be totally independent, it must be quite difficult to find. That is often the case, and this is why when trust companies are approached, uh, there's normally a professional independent trustee available, and that trustee has to be fully uh, independent and involved. You know, you you, you, you often have uh, the case where professional trustees are appointed, but they're not involved, and with that comes a whole lot of risk. So you want a level of independence, and this independent person can't just be uh, the family attorney or friend or an accountant because uh, it will be tested whether that person was in fact truly independent. Second headline, the benefits of a trust, and you start like this. If trust assets are managed correctly, they will not form part of the founder's estate, but the founder could still enjoy the benefits thereof. How can they enjoy the benefits? Explain, please. Well, the argument being that because the assets fall outside of the founder's personal estate, it will not attract the estate duty or capital gains tax upon death. Um, assets can be held for the benefit of next of kin, uh, while they will not form part of the next of kin's uh, estates uh, either. And, uh, of course, the other good news is that assets belonging to trusts are protected from the founders, creditors and or matrimonial disputes, uh, which is often very useful if these occur. Yeah. Should a founder wish to transfer assets that are already personally owned to a trust, the assets have to be sold or donated to the trust. The value of the sale price will remain an asset in the founder's personal estate. Starting to get complicated, Desmond. <laughs> Indeed. So um, uh, to your point, um, the value of the sale price will remain an asset in the founder's personal estate, but the growth in the value of the assets will take with place within the trust. So the you know, this is a common approach and it's referred to as estate freezing, where the value of of the asset uh, in the estate of the uh, founder or the donor is then pegged or uh, frozen at a point in time and the growth takes place outside of the estate of the of the original founder. Yeah, you go on to say lots of other things as well. Should the founder decide to donate assets to the trust, such founder will be responsible for a donations tax at 20%, anything above 100000 that is. SARS will consider the transaction as a donation. That's uh, where you pertaining to this, where no loan or sale agreement exists. So lots and lots of facets here. We'll come to this. It'll be my last question. Should a trust be considered, given the, the conversations that we've had? But anyway, we'll um, we'll get to that towards the end. Assets can also be transferred to a trust on death in terms of a will. Now, do assets therefore attract estate duty before being transferred to a trust, or is that a is that a, a pure question? Yeah, the estate duty would apply, but uh, any bequest to a trust would just ultimately mean that the that the assets are bequeathed to a a trust, and the trust would then be the the owner. Uh, this is also called a trust mortis causa or a testamentary trust, and uh, the the assets for the benefit of the beneficiaries is then managed after the death uh, of the founder. 
Next headline, taxation and costs must be considered or to be considered. Taxation, obviously, I would have thought one of the reasons for setting up a trust is because it's tax efficient. But also, as ministering a trust, Mayor, the, the, the costs must pile up. Yeah, you need to be so careful. You know, while it's all very good in theory, but if the benefits don't uh, outweigh the costs, uh, you really need to be cautious. You know, establishing a trust can vary anything uh, between four and 12,000 rand, depending on the complexity. And then, of course, uh, um, the uh, trustees have to be mindful on on uh, uh, how the costs are being recovered. You know, we recommend a flat rate because uh, often a uh, percentage of assets under management is used. And, uh, you know, that's open to all sorts of abuse where uh, 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 there is layering of costs. And, uh, you know, we are really supporters of a fixed rate, which provides a certain level of certainty. And regardless of the size of the assets, uh, um, professional trustees are rewarded in terms of the risk associated in managing those assets and the time involved. And if we have a good understanding of of that right up front, we can quote uh, an appropriate fee up front, and that provides the founder with a lot of certainty in that regard. Fees are one thing and negotiable, and um, it should be considered, obviously, but uh, tax is not negotiable. Tell me about the tax treatment of trusts, please. Yes, so tax uh, is a big issue. So, uh, you know, we need to be mindful of the anti-avoidance measures that were introduced to prevent the abuse of trusts for tax avoidance purposes. Um, If uh, assets are sold to a trust by way of a loan account, the interest has to be charged uh, by the founder uh, and, 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 and of course, it is payable by the trust. Uh, If interest is not charged and it is less than the, or it is less than the official rate of interest, I think currently it's 4.5%, it will be deemed to be a donation to the trust and donation tax will be payable by the founder. Uh, Trusts uh, are, of course, uh, subject to income tax at a fixed rate of 45%, and the sliding scale is not applied as with individuals. Income tax is paid at a flat rate of 45%, regardless of the amount in question. And uh, trusts, as you know, also do not enjoy interest rate exemptions as uh, individuals do. And then also the inclusion rate for trusts regarding capital gains tax is 80%, 80 which is taxed at 45%, effectively making the uh, effective rate of tax for trusts at 36%. And trusts also do not enjoy the 40,000 rand per annum uh, capital gains exemption, which individuals do. And this is much higher than the 40% the forty inclusion rate applicable to individuals, which is taxed according to the normal tax tables, resulting in effective rate rates ranging uh, between uh, 0 and 18% maximum. Uh, and as we know, if fixed property is registered in an individual's name and it is a primary residence, the individual will be, will be allowed an exemption for capital gains tax of up to an amount of 2 million, which is a benefit which will not be available if the property was registered in the name of the trust. So those have to be considered, Lindsay. Mm. Lots of things to be considered. Finally, your final paragraph, which you must um, praise yourself, if you would, tax-efficient investment products. Very important as well. Very important last paragraph. Yeah, so if investments are going to be placed in a trust, uh, there are certain tax-efficient investment uh, products available, which must be considered. And the reason being, 
uh, considering the high rate of taxation applicable to trusts, endowments uh, are ideally suited for placement of investment portfolios within. Uh, there are many benefits to an endowment, but they also have certain disadvantages. Often the benefits of endowments outweigh the disadvantages. Um, endowments, as you know, are tax efficient and taxed at a flat rate of 30%, which is lower than the 45% that trusts uh, are taxed at. And uh, also the effective rate on capital gains tax is as low as 12% compared to the 36% of trusts. Uh, endowments uh, on the on the downside um, are, however, subject to restrictions such as limitations on withdrawals in the first five years. And trusts that are formed and domiciled in South Africa cannot invest offshore directly. Uh, trusts also generally uh, uh, hold investment portfolios for longer uh, periods of time, and hence we prefer growth assets such as equities to be the preferred asset class uh, to be invested uh, in trust. And also, offshore exposure can be offered indirectly through uh, asset swaps, Lindsay. Conclusions now, and I'm going to read through them. Uh, Before proceeding with setting up a trust, make sure you are fully informed about the pros and cons of owning or transferring assets to trust. There must be a proper understanding that trust should ideally house and grow wealth across multiple generations. It's not a short-term fix, is what you're saying there. The deed of trust is yeah. The deed of trust is critical in terms of specifying how the assets are to be administered and managed, and should be prepared by a trust specialist. Crucial when a trust is considered, it should fit into the founder donor's overall estate plan, not in isolation, in other words. The intention should not primarily be to mitigate the payment of taxes. It's a much bigger picture than just avoiding or rather massaging your tax bill. The benefits of the Absolutely. trust should you know, the benefits of the trust should justify the costs and admin involved in keeping the trust compliant. That was the one of the first points you made at the mm. beginning of our chat. As and finally, as with all decisions related to a personal financial plan, it's highly advisable to consult with a qualified CFP, which you are of course Desmond, a certified financial planner on the investment vehicle. And given the last uh, 10, 15 minutes, I would say that anyone that goes in blindly with the idea of setting up a trust would be uh, foolish in the extreme. You have to have an expert like yourself uh, behind them. And the final question to you from me is, is it worth it? And if it is, who should consider it? So it, the answer is it all depends, Lindsay. You know, every investor's personal situation, objectives and circumstances are different. Uh, um, I think the reasons for placing investments in trusts, uh, which was so fashionable a decade ago, uh, and have changed. You know, the legal uh, environment has changed. Uh, the anti-avoidance measures that have been introduced uh, have to be considered. Uh, um, so as a rule of thumb, uh, we would certainly only recommend uh, um, investments placing larger growth assets into trusts where the the primary objective is to freeze the or then peg the uh, personal estate of the founder. And the founder must be mindful of the fact that they are no longer tax efficient, that there are restrictions in terms of what uh, um, investment opportunities they are. It is uh, well regulated. It is governed. The the uh, uh, the responsibilities of the trustees are onerous. Uh, and in, in the end, the investor has to be mindful of uh, all of these factors and consult a professional uh, to enable him or her to make an informed decision. 
Desmond, thanks so much for that uh, wisdom. Desmond Bienecke is a certified financial planner at Brentus Wealth in Johannesburg. It's My Money was brought to you by Brentus Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.